0: you are listening to the best of the housing hour with hosts kevin ray and mark griffith this show is brought to you by mortgage investors group welcome into the housing hour with kevin ray a locally produced program devoted to bringing you a fresh perspective on housing diving into the issues that matter most the housing hour with kevin ray is presented by mortgage investors group now kevin ray
1: Welcome into the Housing Hour. My name is Kevin Ray, and I am here joined with my executive producer and co-host, Mark Griffith, we want to thank you all for coming into to uh, our show today. And uh, this is our first show, actually, and we're so very excited about our new, our, our new stuff here. It's like a bunch of new toys. All new equipment, Absolutely. Everything. So we're so thankful to Talk Radio 760 and also Joy 620 for taking us in. We're excited about this opportunity. Um, we are so thankful for the previous stops that we've had, and um, we're on a journey, and there is no destination. And we're just thankful uh, for all of the people that have been involved with our show over the years and we're thankful to you our listener as well and you know you can always go to thehousinghour.com you can listen to our show right now it's there for you um, to share with your friends and family and we also i'm here at the housing hour so that you are a new listener you might know we are driven to bringing you important information and that might be uh, revolving around housing that might have something to do with something in our community Um, it's a variety of things that we are going to bring to the table and so we want you to share that with your friends and family. And the number one place that we point to is the mothership of all of our information, the treasure trove, and that is thehousinghour.com. You can go there. You can, like I said, share our shows, read our blog. And, of course, we are on the Facebook and the Twitter. You can go to facebook.com thehousinghour. You can also go to Twitter as well, and it's at thehousinghour. And Mark likes to post on Pinterest some. It's my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, you know, Mark, when I thought about when we we have our first show here and who it was that we would want to invite. and There was no doubt. No doubt about who it is. And so the person that we have in studio with us today is Inky Johnson. Inky Johnson, welcome to our show.
2: Good morning, guys. It's an honor to be here. Thank you so much.
1: Absolutely. Um, we were so fortunate to have Inky on the show uh, in August of 2013. It was when I first met him, but I felt like I had already met him because of all the research that I had done, all the videos that I had watched, all the, the clips that I had listened to, and I had watched him play, and I had a lot of perspective on who Inky was um, as a, a person, as, a, as the athlete, um, but I didn't know about some of the other things that I learned in that August interview. And I want to highlight some of those things. But first, before we do that, in 2006, Inky stepped onto the stage in a big way. If you recall, in that California game, he had an interception, a lot of pass breakups. He was all over the field. The next week, we had Air Force. You know, Coach Chavis told them they were going to be disciplined. They were going to come at you hard. This was not the same type of defense. And sure enough, they experienced that. Inky, towards the end of the game, Um, was a little bit down on himself and his teammates, you know, because they had given up some points. And and here it was, second and long, and the weak side linebacker maybe missed his play. Um, His very good friend, Robert Ayers, almost sacked the quarterback. That play came to number 82. I forgot his name, but he's rolling down – the sidelines, and Inky looks up and sees only green between him and that player, and it's the end of the game. And Inky makes a beeline to tackle this individual with everything he had, and at the very last moment, and I'm going to let you expand on the story, but Mm -hmm. at the very last moment, the player moved his shoulder up just so slightly to where he got under Inky's shoulder, and what resulted was an impact that you could probably hear throughout the whole state. I was there. I was too. And... And, and Inky, that, that experience that you had is really one of the defining moments of your life. Can you just kind of give us an overview of that experience, what that has done to you as a person, as a father, as, as a Christ follower? Tell us about your story a little bit.
2: Oh, absolutely. On that night, and I apologize about my voice, it's a little hoarse, but um, I empty my bucket daily and... What I mean by emptying my bucket, I give everything I got to everything I'm involved in. But what happened that night, when I made that tackle on that guy, when I hit him, my body went completely limp. And it seemed as if every breath in my body left. And I've never felt so weak in my life. And I fell to the ground. I blacked out. Never had happened to me before. I had been in a lot harder collisions. And when my eyes opened, my teammates, they were running over to me. They said, Ink, get up, man. Get up. Let's go. And I said, I can't. And they said, what do you mean you can't? You always get up. Get up, man. We need you. Let's go. And I said, I can't. I can't move. There was a shock going through my whole body, and I couldn't feel anything. And the shock eventually left, and it stayed in my right arm and hand. And I couldn't feel my right arm and hand. And they rushed me off the field to the ambulance, and they got me over to UT Medical's hospital, took me back, ran some CAT scans. They brought me back into my room. And at that moment, the doctor, he came in, and he said, hey, get in here. We got to rush this guy back to emergency surgery. He's about to die. And mm-hmm. so I never imagined that that incident on that field would take me to UT Medical's hospital, being in the room, and a doctor coming in and saying, hey, we got to rush this guy back to emergency surgery. He's about to die. I thought I just had a stinger or probably a broken arm or something like that. Not that my life was on the line. Yeah. And I had busted up some clavian artery in my chest, and I was bleeding internally. And they had to rush me back and take the main vein out of my left leg and plug it into my chest in order to save my life.
1: Well, isn't that what Robert said to you when you were laying there? He said, You probably just have a stinger. Absolutely. And you were hopeful that, in fact, that was true because you were never one not to get up, like you Absolutely. mentioned. And Absolutely. so when he said when he said that there you said yeah maybe it is a stinger but that all changed You started to feel the pain come in all of a sudden coach Fulmer is over you mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you're being rushed off the field I remember you giving a thumbs up but at the same time that probably wasn't all that comfortable <laughs> but it leave at least it gave us some hope that you could you, you know you weren't paralyzed Absolutely. um little did we know later that in fact you were going to lose <laughs> the 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 use of your right arm Absolutely. but but that moment you know we all we all have our you know, moments in our life that are, are, are we have peaks and values, but I believe we all have those forks in the road. And you called upon on Christmas Eve when you were coming back from the Mayo Clinic with your mom, your dad on mm-hmm. that jet, you kind of had one of those Jeremiah 29 11 moments. Talk Absolutely. about that moment when you were rushed – after rush, being rushed to the hospital, you, they, they saved your life. But then you were whisked into this um, necessary treatment mm-hmm. plan where they're trying to save the use of your arm. And it was the realization, I guess, at the Mayo Clinic where they right. said there's more nerve damage than we thought, et cetera. Could you talk about that, that, that plane ride, the, the kind of the remaining
2: moments that you had there with your team Absolutely. before you were whisked away? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, that transition up to the Mayo Clinic and, you know, the last moments that I had with my teammates and things of that nature, you know, the love and support that those guys gave me. But that Jeremiah 29, 11 moment that, you know, we're speaking of and what Jeremiah 29, 11 is, it's the Bible verse that says, For I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. And in that moment, that verse became so clear to me. It was as if God came and sat on that jet right beside me and said, Inc, don't worry about a thing. I had read that verse a million times. And somehow when I got on that jet and I was reading through my Bible, I always kept my Bible with me because I was going through discipleship. Mm -hmm. And so I would go and I would read my verses and things of that nature, and I turned right to Jeremiah 2911, and I saw my mother was there. My mother, she had never rode on a plane before in her life, and that was Mm -hmm. her first time being on a plane. And so she was franicking from being on a plane and she was franicking from her son. Now we don't know what's about to happen with him. We don't know if he's about to lose his arm. We don't know what's about to happen. And on top of that, her husband, my stepfather was back at home and had just got diagnosed with cancer. And so now we were in a moment in our lives where it was so much uncertainty. And to read this verse, it was like God was speaking directly to me, telling me, hey, ink, everything is going to be OK. And so from that moment, every meeting that I went into with the doctors and everything else that we did, I had this smile and I had this joy on my face. And my father said one day a reporter asked him, they said, how are you feeling about your son? And he said, man, you know what? He's just going about his life as if he knows something that we don't. And he never knew that that moment had taken place.
0: Mm-hmm. And, th- you know, uh, one of the things I was thinking about is hearing your story. I never, I, I kind of realized with you that your faith, your walk started somewhere way before the injury. Absolutely. So, when, how that's did a that, good, that's a good point. How did that start?
2: Oh, it started a long time ago back, um, back during my backstory of how I grew up. You know, I grew up in Atlanta. 125 Warren Street to be exact. My mother got pregnant with me when she was 15 years old. And we were coming up in this two-bedroom home. There was 14 of us living there. And I used to sleep on the floor, and I would never forget when I got the opportunity to sleep in a the bed, there would really be six of us in a bed, three at the foot and three at the head. And me and my family, we went through a lot of struggles. We went through a lot of hardships. We went through a lot of adversity. You know, I missed a lot of meals coming up. Some Christmas, we didn't have gifts under the tree. But I was in church every Sunday on that pew. And my grandmother would always tell me, son, with God, you can do anything. And every, every time we hit a hardship and it got really rough, I'm talking about really rough, where I would be hungry and I didn't know where my next meal was coming from. And I would always walk into my grandmother's room. And my grandmother, she would be sitting on the edge of her bed and she would be reading her Bible. And she would always look at me and she would say, son, everything is going to be okay. And everything would always turn out to be okay. But I wanted to possess what my grandmother possessed. At that age, I wanted to know how can she stay so calm during a storm? How can she believe in this God that everything is going to be okay when we don't know where our next meal is coming from? And so I wanted to possess the faith that my grandmother had. I wanted the fortitude that my grandmother had at that age. And so I would always seek God. I always wanted to know more. And so when I was in church at an early age, when some kids wouldn't be paying attention, I'll be paying attention. I would see people praising God. I would see people thanking God in the midst of trouble, in the midst of opposition. And so now, some odd years later, when I hit one of the roughest moments of my life, I hit one of the roughest moments in my life one of the first things that popped into my mind was my grandmother sitting on the edge of that bed reading her bible when we was going through hard times as a kid and she looked at me and said son everything is going to be okay and now the dots were connecting now i was on a jet going up to rochester minnesota and i had my bible in my hand and it was as if god was sitting right next to me saying son everything is going to be okay
1: that is that is very very strong and, and you know it's amazing to me to think about your grandmother's impact on you and you think about the people who impact others and how important that is. And you talk about Daisy is is your grandmother's name and, and how she had that impact on you and you walked into a room and and, and I, I think about that all the time, all the time, because it's that simple faith that people have. And you know, not everybody in life has that person, has that daisy in their life. It's it's very sad for me to think about that. But one of the things that I see is is your ministry has grown and that's what I call it really. It's a ministry. Absolutely is that you become the daisy for others. And, right. and, and even though things are rough, things, you know, can be troublesome. And, you know, we, we have things that knock us down, you know, inspirations every day. That's You've right. got seeds of hope. And it just takes that one mustard seed to grow into something huge. But what do you think that your role in the
2: lives of others is um, right now in your life going mm-hmm. forward? What's your role? Uh, my role is to be a humble servant. You know, and that's, that's why I live my life the way that I do, to be honest with you guys, man, because somebody first did it for me. You know, somebody first invested in me. Somebody first saw something in me when I didn't see it in myself. Somebody first prayed for me. Somebody first clothed me. Somebody first cared for me. And so it's my responsibility to give that to other people in the world. And I don't have to be Superman. All I have to do is show people by how I live my life and through my service and the way I live my life. And so every day I get up and I empty my bucket and give everything I got so somebody can look at me and say, hey, man, if that guy can go through life with a paralyzed right arm and still smile and still give everything he got and not make excuses, I don't have an excuse. I can't help but to keep going. I can't help but to smile.
1: Well, don't empty that bucket all the way quite yet <laughs> because we're going to come back from our break in a moment. Sure. And I want to talk more about emptying the bucket because sure. we want to talk about Stuart Scott and Eric Berry, some sure. people that I know emptied the bucket. It was Incredible. evident to me. So we're going to talk about all of that. Thank you all for joining us. We'll be right back after these messages.
0: housing hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome back
1: into the housing hour. Kevin Ray here. I am your host here with Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co-host. We want to thank you all for joining us here in our new station. We're so thankful um, for how nice everybody has been. Um, we're just very thankful for this new setup. Uh, Dave and Bob have been great to us, and uh, we're excited about the future um, as well. I hope you are as well. And we have in studio with us Inky Johnson. Inky Johnson really needs no introduction, especially in this area, but Inky was a former athlete at the University of Tennessee. He's now an inspirational speaker. Um, you can hear inspirations every day um, on the Swain event. Uh, also, you can go to the, uh, mortgage, MIGonline.com, and on our blog we have it preview daily. But also, more importantly, um, the mothership treasure trove for Inky is inkyjohnson.com. So it's I-N-K-Y johnson.com. And uh, his blog is up every day with inspirations. It's maybe a two to three minute um Inspiration,
0: if you will, Absolutely. it's become an actual word. And I you know it's what's it's really cool <laughs> is Inky actually interfaces with everybody on Facebook, so he'll co- yeah. talk to you. He's not so uh, man, He'll maybe. talk to you. Absolutely.
1: It, 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 he has a, a massive social following massive. on Twitter, Facebook, um, Instagram. I'm sure he's pinned on Pinterest. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you some pointers. Inky. Yeah, <laughs> got to talk to Mark about it. <laughs> well, talk about inspirations mm-hmm. quickly. Um, you know. One of the things that you told or at least felt in your heart when Jeff Haygood said to you, everybody wants to be given the benefit of the doubt. Absolutely. And they want to be able to make a difference in other people's lives. Absolutely. So in my mind, I see it clearly. It's a, it's another avenue for you to pour into the lives of others. Absolutely. But can you articulate how that came about and, and what it is that you do?
2: Oh, absolutely. Inspirations is something that uh, I'm so grateful that, You know, Mortgage Investors Group believed in me and supported me with the vision of what it is. And what it is is just something every day that I can empower, I can enrich, I can inspire, inspire, I can motivate, I can try to encourage someone and just give someone a source of hope, man, because we live in a world and, you know, life is tough. You know, life is tough and life tries to beat people up and life tries to make people quit and life tries to make people give in. And so if every day I can put something into the world, that can be of some encouragement to somebody. And the way I like to describe it is this, we all have to pay our rent for living. And so every morning, that's me paying my rent for living. And so every day I get up and I give everything I got to that inspirations, praying and hoping that it blesses somebody else. I never do an inspirations without praying before I do it. I pray every time before I speak into that mic. You know, I pray that the words that I'm about to speak pierce somebody's heart, pierce somebody's mind, and help someone along their journey in life. I take it serious. Yeah, and the journey of life,
1: you know, we talk about um, taking, you know, a rest break. And I, I, we just went down to the to the bowl game, uh, me and some friends. And you know, when somebody had to take a rest break, we took a rest break, <laughs> you know. And so, one of the things that in your life that you experienced was along your road. You know, some people asked you, "Hey, Inky, maybe it might be a good idea to take." this rest break and put the car in park Mm -hmm. and you could have easily done that nobody would have faulted you for saying you know what i'm going to take a few years i'm going to go back down to atlanta i'm going to stay you know closed and and kind of get away from everything just so that i can heal up and and build back whatever you know but you did you chose not to do that Right. And, you know, even this interview, all of a sudden your voice is now better. You, mm-hmm. you, you rise to the occasion. Rise to, you'd like to rise to the top, Absolutely. you know, just like, just like Coach Jones says. But talk about, you know, put in the car and park and road, the
2: road has obstacles. Absolutely. It's in life, you know, that, that road to success is constantly under construction, you know, with plenty of potholes, with plenty of speed bumps, with plenty of opportunities to give up. And if you don't be careful, people will make excuses for you of why you shouldn't do things or why you have the right to give up. But when you think about life, you really don't have the right to give up because the thing about it is somebody that came before you paved the way for you. I always speak about two words, honor and legacy. And I say you should honor the ones that paved the way for you. You should live a legacy for the ones that's coming behind you. And so with that said, somebody has always busted their butt so you can have the life that you now have. And so I know that I saw people bust their butt. I saw people believe in me. And so I didn't have the right to quit when things got hard because I knew it got hard for the generation that came before me and they didn't quit. And so who am I when things get hard? I'm just going to throw in the towel. I'm just going to make excuses. I can't do that. Because the thing about it, it's a generation that's coming behind me. And the thing about life, somebody is always watching all of us, whether we know it or not. Somebody's looking at Mark and saying, we're going to see how Mark responds when he hit this adversity. Or we're going to see how Kevin responds when he hit this adversity. He says God is good, but let's see how he responds now that he's going through a tough time. And they're watching, and you don't even know they're watching. But if you respond in the right way, you can save that person's soul.
0: Well, how, how about your friends? They're yes, so absolutely. influential. They they helped you so much. How important was that in in your development? Well, oh,
1: specifically before I want to talk about Boy Dog, mm, boy, boy Dog, dog. <laughs> yeah, Boy Dog, because he, he in, in in the forward of your book, um, you know, was written by Eric Berry, and it's funny because he put Boy Dog question mark. Yes, yeah, he called yeah, me, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think that's what you're alluding to, right? Yeah, absolutely. You have yeah. some very influential friends absolutely. that that actually give you credit. For, mm-hmm. for a lot of what their successes have been, whether that be Gerard Mayo, whether that be Eric Berry, raymond I mean, these other folks that are in your life. Even Arian Foster said you were the heart of the team, mm-hmm. and here we are talking about a superstar. So,
2: yeah, yeah Mark's question is perfect. Talk Absolutely. about that. Um, all the guys that I played with and all of my friends, you know, I looked at them as my brothers. And so, as you guys know, when you have a brother, you have their best interests at heart. And so, the thing I did for every guy that was around me, for every guy that I had a relationship with, I said, Man, listen, in life, I'm going to hold you accountable. And I want you to hold me accountable. And so, with holding them accountable came not letting them give up. With holding them accountable came with not letting them make excuses. With holding them accountable, made sure they were handling their business in the classroom and on the field and in the weight room. And so, I held them accountable in every phase of life. I made sure that they were focused and they couldn't make excuses. You see, when my arm was paralyzed, I was out in the sling and I ran the same fifty one tens that they ran. And I had a paralyzed right arm and hand. So if I'm right beside you and I'm running with a paralyzed right arm and hand and I got bandages all over my body, how can you quit? How can you make an excuse? If I'm out of the hospital on the second day and I was supposed to be in the hospital 30 days, how can you not go to class? And so I put I put them in a spot where they couldn't make excuses, and I love those guys, and they held me accountable as well. But me and those guys went through every phase of life together. We got discipled together spiritually. You know, we walked this thing called life together, and we held each other accountable. And I love those guys. They're incredible, man. They're incredible athletes. They're incredible people. And Boy Dog Eric Berry. <laughs> you know, the reason I call them Boy Dog, where that name came from, he was a boy when he got to the University of Tennessee, but he was a dog on the field. And so I said, boy, dog. He's a boy, but he's a dog, you know, and he's incredible.
1: Yeah. Well, speaking of Eric Berry, he has a challenge in his life as we Mm -hmm. speak. And, you know, what is ironic, I suppose, is that video that the Kansas City Chiefs um, came out with, it was weeks before the announcement was made about, you know, what happened with Eric. And, and, you know, you, you hear the things that you say, the, 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 the trials and tribulations, and then the effort and hard work and perseverance. It all aligns for Eric that I see God, that 29-11 moment in Eric's life has occurred, and you're friends with him. Absolutely. Talk about your relationship with him because it clearly has been an important one to you. Oh, absolutely.
2: I talk to Eric um, just about every day, you know, in my relationship with him we're very close. We're like brothers. You know, I spent a lot of time with him. He's down in Atlanta right now. And um, basically, he had the opportunity to watch me go through my struggle. And so as a result of that, he watched me and he saw how I handled it. And so now he's going through his struggle and his challenge and it's different. And he's growing in a way that he has never grown before. And he's looking at it with a perspective that he has never looked at life with before. Like he texted me, Uh, last night, and he said, Inc., when you were going through your opposition and your adversity, did it feel like you were growing just so fast? And I said, yeah, man, like your growth, it speeds up. And I said, the thing about it, no test, no testimony. And he knows the Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. He quotes it to me all the time. And I'm proud of him, the way he's handling the situation. You know, it's amazing. Yeah. We have
1: Inky Johnson in studio. We're going to continue this conversation with him just in a few moments. Thanks, guys, for joining us. And we'll be right back after these messages.
0: housing hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray.
1: Welcome back into the housing hour. My name's Kevin Ray. Grateful for the opportunity to speak to you today. I'm here with Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co-host, and I'm here with our special guest, Inky Johnson. Inky, when I called him, um, I can't remember if we talked or whether it was text. I think it was a, a com- conversation over the phone. And I told him what I was, what we were doing, and, and he didn't hesitate. You know, it's just like, yeah, I'll be there. Um, and Inky has a family in Atlanta, and, and, you know, you work a lot. Some people say you work too hard, yeah. to be honest with you. And we started talking about Empty in the Bucket, actually before the segment prior. And we, we then we got into talking about Eric Berry, which is totally fine. But I look at somebody like Stuart Scott. And, and uh, you know, you mentioned, which I knew that you had listened to it several times before you even said that, because I'm going to, I've only listened to it once because that's just the time that I had. But he gave that um, speech at the ESPY Awards. And, you know, talk about emptying the bucket. That man emptied the bucket. He knew what it meant to empty the bucket. Talk about, you know, you even had somebody randomly text you just a minute ago that says, tell me about this empty in the bucket. And you were like, well, it's Burmie. I have no idea who that is. Yeah. But, it, but it catches on. Where would you get that phrase? Is it something that you've
2: always said or what? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, first, first and foremost, my condolences to Stuart Scott's family. You know, he's an incredible guy, and he left an incredible legacy in this world. But uh, the phrase empty the bucket, the way it came about, I was in Dayton, Tennessee, one Friday night, and I was speaking to a, uh, a group of kids at a youth rally at a church. And when I got back to my hotel, I got a call from Butch Jones. And he said, hey, Inky, we're having a scrimmage tomorrow. Do you mind coming up and just checking it out? And I want to meet you, you know, face-to-face and just talk with you. I said, yeah, Coach, I'd love to come up. And so the next day I came up, and the guys were scrimmaging, and I was watching it, and I had met Coach prior to the scrimmage. And after the scrimmage, you know, they were calling them up, and I was walking off the field. And he said, hey, Inky, come here. And he said, come talk to the guys. <laughs> and I was like, talk to the guys. No and preparation. Barry Rice and his crew, let me slap a mic on you. <laughs> he slapped the mic on me. And so I went up, and I was talking to the guys, and out of nowhere came this phrase out of my mouth. When I was speaking to him. if you go back and you watch my speech, To the UT team, I said, you guys better empty the bucket. And it was like when I said empty the bucket, all of the guys, they looked like, whoa. And after that, people came up to me like, empty the bucket? What is that? Mm. And I said, man, what it is is being all in on every aspect of your life. And I firmly believe, you know, the only way that you can live a full life is you have to empty the bucket. You have to give everything you got. If you think about a bucket and the history of a bucket, a bucket goes back over 5,000 years ago. And when you think about a bucket, a bucket has always been used to move things forward in life. And so by emptying your bucket, you can move things forward. If I can empty my bucket and it gives you life, if I can empty my bucket and I help you in life, I'm moving things forward in life by giving everything I got. And the thing I can guarantee people about emptying your bucket, I guarantee your life will be made richer, and not only your life, but your family's life, your workplace, and everybody that comes around you, life will be made richer as a result of you taking pride in what you do and giving everything you got to it.
1: You know, you you can go to inkyjohnson.com and get his book. His book is filled with amazing testimonies and life's lessons and i would i would strongly recommend that you do that go to inkyjohnson.com uh i think it's it's a wonderful book and and one of the things that you talk about throughout the book is is you know you have to have your bucket filled as well absolutely you know and you talk about the countless letters that you received after the injury you mentioned first you mentioned some pies in there somewhere yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know but but people and you also spoke in our last interview about eric berry how his he wanted his legacy after playing football to be richer and deeper Absolutely. than what he did on the field, and what you know he's got people pouring into him filling his bucket. He has a he has a family. He has you. You know you had your cousins. You were helping fill their bucket. Really. Your grandmother was filling your bucket. Absolutely. You know this it's all about this give and take relationship. And um, you talked about uh, your experience and how. You knew you had your back was was, people had your back and they filled your your bucket. You know, what is a lesson to those out there who, you know, they're pouring their bucket out. What are they doing to fill other people's bucket? Because your bucket will only be, you know, poured Mm -hmm. out so
2: many times. Absolutely. So talk about that. You have you have to go back to the well, right? Right. And so (laughs) when you talk about emptying a bucket, like you said, Kev, your bucket has to get full from somewhere. And I'll tell you, the best way I can describe it is, is through this story. Uh, the first white guy I ever met in my life was this guy by the name of Coach J. Hurst. I talk about him in my book, and he's the first guy that put me in organized sports. And so this guy started to do all of this stuff for me. You know, he paid for me to play organized ball. On Christmas, he knew, you know, I wouldn't have gifts. He would show up at my house with drawers, with socks. He still sends me that stuff until this day. Wow. I'm a grown man. I'm 28 years old. And Coach Trey will still send me some socks and some draws. So when I was a teenager, I, I got in the truck with him one day. You know, he was the guy that took me to get my first steak and all of this. And so one day, I was just curious, you know, why does this guy, you know, do all of this stuff for me? And he doesn't have to. And I said, why, why are you doing all of this stuff for me? And he said, Ink, I'm going to tell you like this. He said, son, in life, as long as you're making sure that somebody else's life is okay, he said, God is going to make sure your life is okay. And so the way that you get your bucket back full is you empty your bucket. And by emptying your bucket, God will make sure your bucket is always full. It's a faith thing. But what about sometimes? someone will say, my bucket's bigger, my bucket's better. (laughs) What about pride? How does that get in the way? Because your bucket's the the, big bucket. You've got a cool bucket. I (laughs) I think they need to read the Bible where it says pride comes before destruction. You know, pride comes before the fall. And so a prideful person is one who will fall very swiftly. And in life, man, it's not about pride, that type of pride, you know, that comes before destruction. It's about the type of pride of you take pride in who you are as a person, You take pride in what you represent. You take pride in everything that you touch. And by taking pride in everything that you represent, that's when you empty the bucket. When you say, hey, man, I'm Inky Johnson, and my last name means something. Because my mother, she gave birth to me. And so by my mother giving birth to me, it's my responsibility to go all in and represent her. Also,
1: you know, there's people in your life, you mentioned a few of them, but, of course, your mother, Ruby Lewis, Mm -hmm. Uncle JJ, Auntie Sarah, um, Darren Miles Sr., um, and, and Coach Fulmer. Yeah. You know, these people that are trigger points in your life, that there's been a moment, Daisy said what she said, mm-hmm. your mom in that plane, you were there trying to comfort her while at the same time you needed comforting. You know, Coach Fulmer showing up at Crim High School and some of the people <laughs> not even knowing who he was, and you just basically committing right there on the spot. You know, Darren Miles, I don't know much about your relationship with him, Um, but then Uncle JJ being there as a father figure for you. All these people, you know, how do you just sum up the life that you've led? Because, you know, I think that there's people out there that they don't have those individuals in their lives. Mm -hmm. And we talked about this a little bit. You are blessed.
2: Absolutely.
1: And you're blessed, so you're a blessing. And I can't remember what's that saying that you say, why get up stressing when... (laughs) Waking up is a blessing. Yeah, and I think about that a lot. But... You know, what do you say to the person that might be clicking onto this by chance, going down East Magnolia or going down Kingston Pike or listening to it? What do you
2: say to that person that doesn't have those individuals in their lives? Absolutely. Um, Like you said, Kevin, I was was very blessed, you know, that God blessed me with some incredible people, you know, in my life that believed in me and always supported me and loved me unconditionally. But if you don't have, you know, those people in your life, become one of them Mm. to other people. And that's the quickest way. You know, our biggest test in life, you know, when we go through things or when we face things, our biggest test in life is how do we use our situations or the things that we go through and use it to be a blessing to other people? And so if we don't have these people in our lives, we become those people to other people. That's how you get through storms. And that's how you get through rough circumstances in life. You shift the focus from yourself. If you notice the first time that people go through things in life, they say, whoa, it's me. Why did this have to happen to me? Why me? I didn't deserve this. Why not you? Why can't you use it to be a blessing to somebody else? Shift your focus. Don't make it so much about you. Make it about other people. And that's when you become the blessing.
1: Yeah. Well, Gerard Mayo um, mentioned that you would be in the NFL. He has no doubt right now. That's my now. guy. He said, he said he would be in the NFL because, you know, just like uh, when Darren Miles, I think it may have been Darren Miles that said to you, uh, who, who was it that said to you that, go on, look on NBA.com. Yeah, was, it, was it him? Yeah, okay, now too. I'm connecting that. And the one thing that I know about Gerard Mayo is that he can discern truth, and that was absolutely – so you have given up a lot. You, you have lost a lot and with losing a lot, a lot is asked of you. You have to replace that void in some way. And you know, when Eric Barry makes a big hit, he touches that 29 because it's, it's in tribute to you. You're building a legacy and you're certainly helping me in my walk. I'm not perfect by any stretch that's why we moved over to this Christian station <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. but I'm not perfect in any any stretch but I'm just thankful for your friendship and we oh, gotta have man, a few thanks. more minutes left with Inky when we return from these messages we'll be right back.
0: The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray.
1: Welcome back into the Housing Hour. My name is Kevin Ray. I am your host. We're thankful for the opportunity to speak with you today. I'm here with Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co-host, and when I think about uh, when you talked about Proverbs 27, um, 27, 17, I think it is, um, I think about Mark actually being that person in my life. That that helps me and helps sharpen me. Sometimes I'm unsharpenable, if that's <laughs> even a word. But you know, he's an individual that I couldn't live without because he's a very good friend, and and I, I need him in my life. You talk about Jeff Haygood, and 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 what brought to mind was that that same verse, um, in mm-hmm. Proverbs twenty seven seventeen. You know, Halloran is one of those people in Absolutely. your life. You're going to a Proverbs study later today that mm-hmm. he he teaches. But talk about. Your relationship with Jeff Haygood in that in that verse, we got five Absolutely. minutes left.
2: Absolutely, uh, Jeff. Jeff is somebody that you know. He's an incredible person, and he has been a blessing to me and my family. And um, the first time I met Jeff, I was still a graduate assistant coach at UT under Lane so, Kiffin. Under Lane Kiffin, yeah, by <laughs> default, yeah. But, <laughs> and uh, you know, I was trying to find my way out of that situation, and by the grace of God, he answered my prayers at the airport. And I saw Jeff, and uh, Jeff asked me, he said, Hey, Inky, what are you up to? And I said, Man, I'm just trying to find my way. I really want to uh, write a book, you know, about my life and the things that I've been through. And he said, Hey, when you get back to Knoxville, uh, give me a call. Come by the office. I'd love to talk to you about it. And to be honest, I thought he was just blowing smoke. And so I said, I'm not calling that guy. He's just talking like everybody else. Hmm. And uh, when I got back to Knoxville from the coaching convention, I was in the office, and uh, one of the, the assistants, she came over. She said, Inky, the phone. Somebody wants you on the phone. And I, I got the phone, and it was Jeff. And he said, didn't <laughs> I tell you to call me? And you got back. And I said, oh, man, I thought you was blowing smoke. <laughs> he said, no, come up to my office. And I said, where's your office? And he told me I was in the BB&T building downtown. I went and I met him. And, man, from that point, you know, he put things in motion. And I'm talking about he really, he really took me under his wing. He moved me in his house. You know, I stayed with him for a year and a half. You know, he didn't make me pay a bill. He didn't make me do anything. He just poured wow. into me. I went to Bible study with him every Tuesday at his house. You know, he was an incredible soul, man. He taught me so much about life. We would walk through Sequoia Hills, two in the morning, talking about the book project, and he kind of headed things up, you know, and he told me, you know, people just want the benefit of the doubt in life. And everybody wants somebody to believe in him, and he believed in me in that way, you know, and he sharpened me up. You know, more things than one. And at my wedding, you know, I got married. Jeff came down to my wedding, him and Coach Former, Gus Regas, you know, Arthur Kirkland, Fred says some guys from town. And uh we were at the reception and me and my wife, we were getting ready to dance. And so it was it was time for the guys to say their little spills, right? So you got to Rob Mayo, he gets up, he says his little spill and Robert Ayers gets up, says his spill, Arian Foster, Coach Former, Eric Barry, all these guys, right? get up and say their are and So Jeff is the last one. You know, he's kind of fidgety guy, character. He's sharp as all get out, right? And he pulls out this book. And he pulls out a book, and this is what was so amazing. He pulls out a book at Kirkwood Recreation Center, where I grew up. And where I grew up in Kirkwood Recreation Center, it was a place where we played basketball, but it was also a place where people didn't have hope. It was a place where the drug dealers came. It was a place where the gang members hung out. And he pulled out a book that said, Inky Johnson, an amazing story of faith and perseverance in a neighborhood that I grew up in, in the rec center where I honed my skills at. And in that same room was my grandmother, Daisy, sitting there. And when she saw that book, tears rolled down her face and that was an amazing moment. Was
1: that the first time
2: that you had seen that it? That was the first time I saw the book. Oh, wow. Because I'm amazing. holding
1: the book in my hand, an amazing story of faith and perseverance. And I tell you, I have to thank you, Inky, for all you do and thank oh, you thank for everything you that so you've much. given us. You know, that's one thing that you've definitely inspired all of us is that we each have our own story, our own story of faith and perseverance. Absolutely. And you know, you sometimes you just don't you don't think, you, well, I don't have a story like that. I don't have the same exact situations in my life. But guess what? This earth, will throw everything at you Absolutely. it's got a curveball it's got a sinker you know and if you're not ready to step up to the plate you're going to strike out but guess what when you strike out you got to have a team that's going to give you a high five when you get Absolutely. back and you're one of those people on my team and i'm thankful for you oh, thank, thank you so you. much to inky johnson thank you to dave and they're our producer uh mark our executive producer and thank you to mortgage investors group for producing and giving us the opportunity for this show we'll see you next time
0: right here on the housing hour That's the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray for today. Join Kevin and his guests each week at this time to keep up with the why and why not you need to know, so come here to find out. This show is presented by Mortgage Investors Group.